Hello, everyone, and welcome to Songversations, the long waits podcast where we interview songwriters about their methods and approaches to writing songs. I'm Bjorkvin, and I play guitar and sing in The Long Wait. You can visit us at thelongwait.com, our very active social media profiles on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels that are all under the username Long Wait Music. You can support this podcast and our music in multiple ways, either by becoming a patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash thelongwait, using our Amazon affiliate link through thelongwait.com slash Amazon, or sending us a tip through our virtual tip jar at thelongwait.com slash tips. Thank you very much for your support, and now let's get into this week's interview. All right, today, and this is the first podcast episode in Songversations, the Long Waits podcast on songwriting. We have our first ever guest. Joe Gilder is an incredibly inspiring musician, engineer, and producer. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and runs the hugely successful audio blog HomestudioCorner.com, where he helps home studio musicians like The Long Wait get great recordings and mixes. He's also released three albums, and we'll be talking a lot about a very cool challenge he created for himself that resulted in his new release, Better This Way. Joe and I have known each other for a few years, and he was established in the audio blogging industry, if that's an actual industry, when I, <laughs> when I started AudioIssues.com, and I actually still feel like quite the fanboy whenever I talk to him, so... I remember when he bought one of my first tutorial ebooks on mixing, and I saw his email address and thought, "Whoa, Joe Gilder bought my ebook! I have made it! I am done!" So anyway, thanks for coming on, Joe. Yeah, man, I forgot about that. That was a good ebook. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was the was it mixing strategies? Was yes, it? yes. Okay. I've added a bunch of stuff to that over the years. I just recently added seven new mixing videos to yes. it. Yes, so. I need to check those out. How about we get started by you telling the audience a little bit more about yourself and what you're up to these days when it comes to songwriting in general and anything else you think the audience would be interested in? Yeah. So obviously we, we know each other through the, I guess we've, what have we, if we've established it's the home recording blogging world anyway. Yeah. But yeah, like obviously you're a musician and I am too, as are, I'm, I'm imagining most people who read our websites and things like that. So yeah, I've been writing songs since I was in high school. Got a great batch of horrible songs that you can't listen to, um, uh, but I they're there. I have, a, I have a few of those as well. <laughs> they're so bad. <laughs> so I grew up in a tiny town in Mississippi and when I started writing songs and making these little albums, I was you know, the big dog, the guy who's making <laughs> making records. They were horrible, <laughs> horrible songs. My dad would argue otherwise, but I, I still fight him on that. But yeah, so I've, I've released, in the last four or five years, I've released three albums, and I'm actually currently kind of rethinking that, and I want to release at least one a year. Not sure when this episode will go live, but later this year I'll be releasing an EP, and earlier this year I released Better This Way. So as far as songwriting goes, currently working on writing an EP, which will probably end up being four or five songs and just needed to, I needed to write again after spending, you know, you go through the phase of you write a lot, then you record a lot, then you mix a lot, then you go out and play the songs a lot. Yep. So I'm kind of coming back circle. I, I still love to play those songs and probably want to do a more proper promotional tour or something like that at some day of better this way, but it's time to write and record again. So I'm in that mode and working on right now, I just want something snappy. Okay. <laughs> like kind of that thing you do-ish, something peppy, <laughs> just a fun little four or five song EP with just a lot of electric guitar and drums and just fun. That That's cool. what I'm going for. It's fun this time. Awesome. 
Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of in that. Um, I'm in the recording mode as well as you as you probably know. I I was very productive in the writing part of it earlier this year, and now because I have this collection of songs that I'm trying to edit and record and, and mix and put out, and and hopefully by the end of the year, if not early next year, you definitely change hats. You can't do all of these things at once because you feel like you need to spend a considerable amount of energy on certain aspects of the writing process, and I think recording in in general is also a part of the writing process. My drummer said something cool yesterday at practice and he said like, "Well, I mean, we're just in this recording phase now and you don't want to like make a bunch of new songs and then you feel bad about like not making them onto the album or and whatnot." And I'm like, "Oh, I guess that makes makes sense." You know, don't want to create like the next hit and that doesn't go on the album or whatever. <laughs> the whole wearing different hats is it's it's tough cuz for me and since you know, you and I both we love the recording and the mixing and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy, and a lot of people I think are the same way, it's really easy to kind of rush through the writing process and rush even faster through any sort of thoughts on arrangement and how you're going to lay out the song and just jump into recording. Yep. So this time around, I'm really trying to, I gave myself more time than I was comfortable with just to write the songs and get be happy with them before I start laying stuff down. That's been good. Kind of frustrating because I want to just go set up drums and do it. But a lot of cool ideas have come from something I wrote two weeks ago that I've had totally new ideas and almost kind of revamped the song because I let myself live with it for a few weeks as yep. opposed to just, okay, it's done. Let's do record it. Right. Some of the songs that are coming on this album are songs that we've gigged for years, played for years in both stripped down formats and with a full band. So we've allowed ourselves to have those songs kind of grow organically, which is kind of the, or the arrangement sort of created itself, at least mm -hmm. structure wise. Now we're in the production arrangement phase. So That's a fun phase. Yes, very much so. All right. So I wanted to dive straight into this challenge I mentioned earlier regarding your album Better This Way, where you wrote 50 songs in 12 weeks, which is an amazing accomplishment in itself. But uh, I want you to elaborate a little bit about that. Yes, I am a self-proclaimed nerd. <laughs> so I read lots of business books and some books about creative things. But I got really into this, the whole 80-20 principle kick, right? Yep. The whole idea that, you know, you can take it any number of ways. And I'm sure it'll come up in this podcast, I'm sure, a lot. But the idea of the way I took it, and there's lots of different ways to take it. But if I write... Let me back up. The way I used to write for an album or an EP, and probably how this next EP is going to be, I would write songs until I got to, say, 10 or 12 songs, right. and that was the album. Yep. Doesn't matter if they're cohesive, doesn't matter if I like them all, they're finished, and therefore that's all I have to work with. <laughs> and, you know, when I start thinking about 80-20 and the idea that kind of 20% of your efforts produce 80% of the results... And seeing that come to pass in, you know, business stuff and all over the place, if you start looking for it, you'll see it everywhere. Oh, yeah. But I thought, okay, it, it probably has to apply to songs. If I look at, like, the previous two albums, you know, there are two or three out of ten that I really like. Mm -hmm. And there are several that are definitely filler songs. They're okay. The songs aren't great. They're just kind of what I wrote. And they could be better. And so I thought, well, if I want to get ten songs that I love, mm -hmm. then according to 80-20, I'll need to write 50. Right. And so, you know, if, yeah, if you do the backwards math. If you, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to 80 20 this thing, and I, and I had a lot, I was kind of in a season where I had a lot of stuff I wanted to say and a lot of things I wanted to write, uh -huh. a lot of stuff I was kind of working through on my own. So I had lots of ideas, and I thought, well, let's just liberate that mind a little bit and set this stupid goal and then let's make it one step stupider and <laughs> announce it to my subscribers on my website Thousands so that now of I'm. People. 
<laughs> now I yeah now I've backed myself into a nice little corner, <laughs> and I said you know starting on I forget it was maybe March or April first I'm going to write fifty songs over the next twelve weeks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I remember that coming out. I was like, man, that is highly ambitious. <laughs> yeah. And what what's interesting is you know at first I was thinking okay twelve weeks if I write a song a weekday that's that comes out to what 60 so i've got you know a little buffer to get yep. 50 in so i thought it didn't sound that yep. ambitious but what surprised me was i expected people to say way to go you know you're great this is going to be fun but there were a lot of people who were saying this is a horrible idea <laughs> you're turning this creative process into a song factory there's no way you can write anything good when you force yourself to write like that you're going to just end up with a bunch of crappy songs yeah songwriting isn't isn't an assembly line type of deal yeah yeah you can't uh, you can't force creativity was one you can't force art was the big thing people kept saying to me yeah and i didn't have any i couldn't say yes i can you huh i can i i, I didn't have any proof so i said well i hope you're wrong <laughs> yeah let me <laughs> prove go. you wrong yeah let's go see when you start like a weight loss goal or a you know you're going to run a marathon goal people are like you can do it yep. but they're all like you can't do it this is a horrible idea <laughs> so it wasn't a good start to the whole process so after that i got you know i'm i'm jacked up i'm ready to do this thing i set aside being self employed obviously i have kind of the ability to fix you know set my own schedule so i decided it's kind of the most important thing i'm doing right now so that's going to be the first hour of the day will be that so cool. you know i had it blocked on my calendar 8 to 9 a.m. I was writing, which is a horrible time. Yeah. You're, you're hardly woken up and your voice sounds awful. <laughs> yep. but, it, but that was it. I knew if I put it off to the last thing in the day or even after lunch, I, I would tired. Other things would come up. So I start in the first first day I wrote almost a whole song. And the next day I finished that one and was, you know, within the week or two, I'd, I was right on track. I'd written maybe 10, maybe even the first three weeks. I wrote 14 songs or so. Cool. And in your in your last the last mentality you had that like that would have been it. That would have been like, I have 14 songs, l let's make the album, right? Yeah, 14 songs, we've got enough, we can cut one or two. Yeah, exactly. And still make an album, that's great. Right, but that's not how this part of the story no, works out. That's not, that's not how it goes. <laughs> so, we, you know, we get into it, and obviously, you you know, kind of like New Year's resolutions, you, you lose the fire, you're not that excited about it. And I'd, I'd made such good progress, I rewarded myself by just not writing or just writing a couple times a week. And I look up 10 weeks later, and I've got two weeks to go, and I've only written, I think it was 24 songs. Okay. Only. Uh, you know, that was the idea. And the whole, the whole reason behind it, you may think this is some dumb, nerdy thing to writing songs, but my, my thought was, if I even, if I totally bomb on hitting this goal, so for example, I get there and I've only got only, quote unquote, 24 songs, that's a great, I'm, I've got double the amount of songs I would normally have. Exactly getting ready to go into an album. So I knew if I failed, I really wouldn't fail unless I didn't write anything. Right. So I wasn't, and at that point I had to kind of think, okay, I can just call it a day and be done. Or I can go into super crazy mode and try to get 14 songs written in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, okay, all these people, I've been, I hadn't really given updates in a while because I hadn't been writing songs. And I thought, I'm going to have to write an article or an email that says I didn't do it. Right. And that was enough to get me to say, okay, look at the calendar. If it takes you an hour to write a song, can you find 26 hours in the next two weeks to do this? So I went into, I went into song factory mode for sure. <laughs> and I had a couple days where I set aside from eight to noon, several days, I was just writing. It, the flow tended to be about 45 minutes. I'd have it pretty much done. And I would record a demo of it on my phone because there's no way I'm going to remember all 50 songs and then move on to the next one. It was at the point, what was great about the last two weeks was I wrote 20, I ended up doing it. I did hit 50 songs and I wrote, you know, 14 one week and 13 the next or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, it was insane. I felt completely numb to everything. <laughs> but at the same time, it, because I had to finish songs, 
because I had to move on to, to the next one. And because I had so many to do, no song idea was a bad idea. If it seemed cheesy, if it seemed like it wasn't going anywhere, those types of songs I would have just written off and said, nah, I'm not even going to try to pursue that idea. That's yeah, dumb. I pursued the dumb ideas because I had no other ideas. I had to pursue one dumb idea so I could think of another dumb idea to pursue. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, to get so, it out of the way so that the next one comes. Yeah, because even if it's a crappy song, it's one more on the notch that I can get closer to my 50. So I was surprised by that, that I kind of, this idea of any idea is worth pursuing because I'm going to write so many songs that, you know, you never know the song about a turtle might end up being a song on the album, but you would have never finished it if it was only song number seven and you were only going to write 10. I would have scratched it off and not even finished. So that was kind of the the mode I was in. I do love the story about the song about the turtle, though. <laughs> you want to you wanna elaborate about, about that? Yeah, it was on one of the marathon days. It was one of the days where I was writing four songs, and I'd written one or two. And I kept having this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of introverted, and I, I like people. But I sometimes, if, if I'm left to myself, I'll just kind of be alone. Yeah. Like, a weekend night by myself sounds great <laughs> a lot of weekends but I realized that for me a lot of times I'll just I'll have friends that I just won't see for months because I'm not that I don't like them and it's intentional I just kind of get inside my shell and doing my own thing and in some of that you know getting deep on it and kind of analyzing it of you know protecting yourself from being hurt and fear of intimacy all that kind of stuff but so that was this idea and I started writing a song and the first line was I saw a turtle the other day <laughs> and, and the dumbest line it ended up kind of trying to make an analogy between a turtle who pulls himself inside a shell and how i kind of do the same thing so that line got changed thankfully my brother-in-law said that's a stupid horrible line (laughs) get rid of it so i I didn't use the word turtle in the song but i just basically it was kind of clear what i was talking about but yeah that was the dumbest song i wrote and uh, as it turns out it ended up being one of the 13 songs i put on the album because once it was finished, I said, that's actually got a cool vibe. And then to top it off, when I was playing these songs for my wife, the demos, she that was one of her favorites. So the one that would have gotten the axe in the old days ended up being the favorite. So I, I wasn't a good judge of which songs were the best anyway. Yeah, it's funny how that works out sometimes. The things that the audience likes is not necessarily going to align with what you think is good. It's always surprising. Well, and it's it like in business too. Like I've got a great idea for a new product. Right. Well, who cares? Make it as fast as you can and see if anybody will buy it. Just like with the music or anything else, that's the proof. If somebody really, you know, they vote with their wallet. It's a crazy, it seems completely counterintuitive, but I've seen it proven time and time again. Right. So in these 50 songs, was there a particular structure, song structure that you were trying to adhere to? Or did you just try to go wherever that song was taking you? Did you try to do like the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus type thing? Or was it all over the place? They were, they all pretty much kind of aligned with the same basic structure. It was mostly verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then maybe a bridge chorus occasionally. So that, that same kind of basic format. Some of them were literally, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And then some were, some went in these crazy different directions musically that just kind of happened while I was playing them. But for the most part, I, I didn't try to adhere to any structure. I just... I would write it, and if it felt like I'd had a complete thought, I'd be done. If not, I'd think, okay, could there be a bridge here? And can it not sound like the last three bridges that I wrote? That would be great. <laughs> let's go to the six minor because it's a bridge time. You know, yeah. like let's. How about we change that a little bit? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they, they ended up a lot. There, you know, there's a lot of similar songs, obviously, and a lot of bad songs. But yeah, they. I wasn't intentionally trying to keep them in a structure, but they ended up kind of being that way. And then as far as rhyming structure, I I tend to pay a lot of attention to the rhymes and have as many like inner rhymes as I can have yep. just for it as like a challenge to you know if it's a four line verse yep. you know I'm most likely going to rhyme the second and fourth lines but if I can get the first and third to rhyme and not sound stupid or cheesy 
and get the thought across, I feel a lot better about that line because yeah. it just feels more cohesive. Like, oh, you can get that thought across and have everything rhyme. That's kind of cool. And I couldn't do it all the time, right? But there were a lot of times where, hey, I actually, if I rearrange the thought and kind of think about it a different way, I could make it be more cohesive from a like a poetic rhyming standpoint. Yeah. I tend to do a lot of inside rhymes inside the same line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, maybe two and four rhymes, obviously the end, but then the third line has ha- rhymes with itself, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, has like two separate thoughts that rhyme together. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can make that work from the first and the third lines, mm. they've got this like inner rhyme and then the end word still rhymes too. It, it ends up making this really like, and it just, it's just a cool creative thing. You've put all these words together and there's all these rhymes going all over the place, but it also yep. has a cohesive thought. It's a, it's a really feeling of accomplishment. Like the music side I love and I want to write good, compelling, interesting music. But if I can get lyrics and melody to go over the top of that and be, you know, if you're going to, if you're the kind of person who's going to listen to the lyrics and try to figure out what's going on, I can make that interesting for you. That's a big win for me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's backtrack a little bit to just, you know, the approach to songwriting. Obviously, you have a pretty different method than most, at least in this year. This year, But uh, what's your main instrument when you write songs? Just guitar? Do you also do piano or anything else? Mostly guitar. Probably, I think I'm kind of a mid-tempo folk guy at heart. All right, um, so, I can relate to that. Yeah, so a lot of acoustic, yeah, I mean, if, if, if I lived there, I'd probably end up wanting to play in the long wait because I feel like we'd probably <laughs> jive pretty well. But yeah, so a lot of it's acoustic guitar, but I wanted this to not be a folk album. I wanted it to have some rock elements. I wanted it, I wanted to have fun with the electric guitar cranked. So yep. I wrote a, a bunch of them on electric and then a handful on piano. So a lot of obviously the s- slower ones. And it really just got down to if I have to play another E chord on acoustic guitar and try to f- figure out a way to make that different than all the other ones, I'm going to you know, I'm going to walk out and smash the guitar. <laughs> so I'd switch instruments. And, and that was, for me, especially on those marathon days where I'm trying to get three or four songs written, mm-hmm. usually I'd write on all three instruments at some point during the day. Yeah. The, just, just to change things up and kind of fire the creative juices again. And then, you know, you get into electric and you accidentally turn on a delay or some weird effect and it sounds really cool and it triggers an idea for a song. That doesn't happen as much on acoustic because it's just an acoustic, you know. Right, right. And, and adding those other things in is kind of fun. Yeah. I've actually, uh, I, that's that's sort of what I've started doing more and more of is having the piano ready, writing mm-hmm. on acoustic guitar, and then if I kind of get stuck or feel like it needs something different, I'll I'll try to work on the piano. I'm not very proficient on piano, but I can get by and can I can make the chords work. It sometimes helps you get out of a rut. For sure. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need, or it even just gives you a different rhythm. You were playing some syncopated rhythm on the guitar, but it sounds better with like a straight, you know, quarter note rhythm on the piano. And that takes you off in a new direction. It's really nice. Yeah. Even just for rhythmic changes. Yeah, exactly. Switching out instruments. Exactly. Tell us about a time you're really happy with how one of your songs came out. So obviously you can think of any of the 50 songs that you wrote here yeah. or any of the ones out of out of Indiana or anything like that. And it can be one of those that write themselves in 15 minutes or when you finally finish something you'd been struggling with. You know, there's one that's not, it's not on any of the albums. And it's one of those, I don't know if I'll ever release it because it's kind of more personal, kind of dealing with like stuff from childhood kind of thing, you know? Cool. Right. It was one of those I'd been been working through some stuff like that, kind of like the song Shell, like that idea of, well, why do I hide from people? What's Why am I so like so tied to my performance, but also at the same time, I want to keep everybody at arm's length so I don't ever get too close to either, I guess, be hurt by them or hurt them or let them down, disappoint them, something like that. Right. And it kind of got me thinking through like childhood and kind of, okay, well, you know, how did my parents treat me and has that, how has that affected me emotionally and all that? So, you know, not to get into therapy hour, but there was, I'd thought through a lot of that and it was like all this energy of like, I don't really understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
but I need to express it. And I've, if I have to write another page in my freaking journal, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to smash it with the guitar because I'm tired of this, but it felt like nothing had come out right. And, and, and like really been able to kind of process something. So I sat down and wrote this song and it was one of those, like you said, it, it wrote itself in 15 minutes or something. Yeah. It was literally like I just, everything I'd been thinking just kind of fell onto the paper and ended up rhyming and having a cool melody and being this really kind of emotional song that kind of expresses almost kind of like from a little boy standpoint of you kind of, you didn't, you weren't there for me kind of thing. Right. So yeah, it was, that was one, you know, it's funny, the one that you'll probably never hear is the one I'm probably the most proud of. <laughs> but I did actually. But that's really what it is, like, because songwriting yeah. to a certain extent is also kind of cathartic and it can oh, be yeah. very individualistic where it's, I don't have to always write songs for everybody else. It can just be for me to kind of let go of an idea or anything like that, you know, it can be, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's also cheaper than going to a therapist. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And then, you know, think about your favorite songs, especially ones that like move you emotionally, you know, mm-hmm. not every U2 song is going to make you cry. But like if you, you know, some songs that you love that are just really have a lot of meaning to you, you don't maybe quite know what they're talking about, but it probably came out in one of those kind of situations where they're just, they're filled with something and they somehow managed to get it on paper and it turns out good. But at the same time, because I feel like there's a lot of those on Better This Way, they were just kind of, they needed to come out and they're kind of vulnerable, that kind of thing. But yeah, this one song, it was really good for me to just write it and to share it with a handful of people and never actually put it out there. Yeah, you're totally right. Awesome. So when you are writing, what comes first for you, melody or lyrics? Or is it all over the place? It's pretty consistent for me. Usually it starts with a some sort of riff or chord progression that feels new. And then usually, a lot of times, the first line of the song or the first line of the chorus, whichever comes first, that comes to me kind of both lyrics and melody together. So I may have an idea for a song, or I may just sing whatever random words <laughs> fly into my head when I'm trying to come up with a melody. And... A surprising number of times that ends up being a line in the song that I kind of build everything around. So for me, it's kind of the first thing is the music for me. I almost never just write a melody. I feel like I need something to figure out a melody over. For me, coming up with a cool chord progression that doesn't sound like the same four chords you've heard everywhere, that has some twist to it, whether it's a different you know, you push one of the chords or you go somewhere that's not expected or you never resolve to the one or something like that. Sure. And feeling connected to that and then trying to come up with a unique melody over the top of it. To me, that's that's so much fun. So I kind of try to ball them all up together, usually. Get an idea, I start singing some words, I've got an idea for a melody. Then usually I'll put the guitar down and write out a verse mm-hmm. and then try to see if that will sing well to the song. That's kind of, and that back and forth is my usual process. So the lyrics, so well, moving on to the lyrics then, uh, once you've had that verse down, when do you write the rest of the lyrics, I guess? It's usually right there. I'll write that verse and then sing it over and over and tweak it till it feels about right. And then that, to me, when that, at that point I've got a good... I feel like 50% of the song done. Right. Verse two comes quickly once verse one's in place because I've already kind of established how it's going to go rhythmically. And a lot of times I'll, you know, if I, the first line has a certain phrase to it, kind of like you were talking about with the inner rhymes, a lot of times I'll start the second verse with a phrase that sounds similar. Right. Kind of right. rhymes with it sort of. Yeah. And so it has that same sort of feel on verse two. And to me, that's helpful because it says, okay, if I'm going to sing this, then I've got to figure out how to make those words <laughs> make sense for the rest of the verse. And verse one is when I establish the rhyming structure and how many, if it's a four or five line verse that kind of thing you know getting that first verse done is really important and then getting the chorus Mm -hmm. and once i've got those i feel like second verse and if there needs to be a bridge it kind of comes pretty easily because lyrically the second verse just needs to continue or a different spin on the thought Mm -hmm. for me and then because i don't do a lot of story songs it's usually just concepts and things like that yeah and then the bridge really the bridge for me is have i gotten everything across i wanted to get 
Was there a thought or a line that I thought of that didn't work in the verses that's still kind of nagging at me? And if so, a lot of times that's why I'll go and write a bridge. I need to say something. Usually it's something simple over and over that kind of ties the song together and comes back into the chorus to give it that last push, I guess. Cool. I wanted to, uh, as we were talking about this, I thought of, it was in one of the songs on, on your new album was, there's a lot of, the transitions in your songs are, are pretty cool. There's sometimes you end maybe a line in a verse, but you have maybe a transition chord progression that kind of dives into the chorus. Is that something that you do after you've made the bare bones structure of the songs and do it in the production and arrangement phase? Or do you kind of jam that out as you're writing the song too? And and also, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think I know what you mean, but you're talking about like how I transition from a verse into a chorus or... Yeah, for instance, like that sort of stuff, because you, you kind of end, let's say there's a typical structure of you're done with the measure of the verse or whatever, mm-hmm. but the instrumentation isn't just straight into the chorus. There's more to it. It's more elaborate. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked that when I was listening to that this morning. Yeah. I'm, for the most part, that usually just happens during writing. A lot of times it's probably just, I've got this cool four or five chord progression and I got done singing and there were still two chords to go or something. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's nearly as, as smart as you're making it sound, but it, and sometimes <laughs> wow. it, sometimes that stuff happens after. If I feel like the chorus feels abrupt, you know, add two bars of something interesting in between. I'm not really great about writing a song that has like a verse and then kind of a pre-chorus section and then a chorus because those always seem really interesting to me because you can go like verse, pre-chorus and you think the chorus is coming then they go into verse two and it's like, oh, you teased me and you took it away and then the, when the, by the time the chorus gets there, you're like high-fiving everybody because it's, it's so awesome. I don't do a lot of that, and I wish yep. I did, because I feel like that's kind of like what you're talking about. I do a little tiny bit of that musically, but it'd be great if there were some lyrics, some lyrics to go along with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about influences. So what famous songwriters do you look up to either now or in the past that have kind of followed you either that you really like? Probably comes as a surprise. I don't have a huge, huge music collection. I'm one of those. I, I like playing it and recording it for other people, but I don't end up right. writing tons and tons or listening to tons and tons of other people's music. But the few that stand out, I mean, from a songwriting standpoint, when I was learning how to write songs, people like David Wilcox were were big. Just he's such a good storyteller and such kind of a wordsmith. Stephen Curtis Chapman, the kind of the popular contemporary Christian artist. I listened to a lot of his more acoustic, folky stuff when I was younger, which kind of really shaped a lot of, I think both lyrically, but also kind of musically, kind of some of the stuff I do. And there's a lot of guys, just lately in Nashville, kind of the local independent singer-songwriter crowd that really, they're some of the best song, shocker, great songwriters in Nashville, but they are, you know, they're they're more along the independent artist side, so they're not the, the folks writing pop country songs. They're doing their own indie records, and they're really, you know, they're not country, they're just this really kind of Americana, folk, rock kind of vibe with just really, really great songs. And so a few of those, Andy Gullihorn, yeah. if you've never looked him up, he's fantastic. He's hilarious too. Watch a video of him telling a story. It's just one of, it's a work of art. A guy named Jeremy Casella, who we featured in Dueling Mixes actually a few months ago. <laughs> he's got fantastic songs. And there's, there's, a, there's a bunch more in Nashville. Uh, Andrew Peterson's one of them. I guess knowing them, or at least most of them I know personally and kind of, you know, knowing kind of their lives and things like that, you even feel more connected to the music, if that makes sense. But yeah, those would be a few that I look up to. If, if nothing else, just from a, Patty Griffin's another one. I don't know her, but she's insane. But yeah, just being able to, people that, I, when I listen to their songs, I want to hear all the lyrics, you know? I'm not just wanting to find something to bob my head to. I really want to know, hey, what are you saying? What did you mean by that? Like, it just sucks you in. That's kind of what I'm going for. Right. What about songs? Do you have any specific songs that have followed you throughout your life that have stood out for some reason that you kind of, you know, like the typical Jack Black top five list or something like that? I don't know if I have a 
I have more songs from like a recording and audio standpoint than just songwriting, but for whatever reason, like most of the Wallflowers bringing down the horse record, okay. like I'm always trying to go for that sound. It seems like I never get there, but like just I don't even know what their songs mean. They make no sense to me, but they just have a cool vibe and make you cool. make you feel like you're you feel cooler when you're listening to it. Right. But um, as far as specific songs, not a lot. I think just more so like I tend to if I like an artist, I listen to everything. Yeah. So I don't listen to as many artists, but when I attach to one, I kind of become a stalker and I listen to you know everything they've ever done. So for me, that it almost feels I would almost rather I know it's kind of like saying well this is how I am and it's intentional <laughs> maybe it's not I, I didn't intentionally design myself to be this way but <laughs> I do like the idea of if I had to choose between having a bunch of single albums from 100 artists or 10 artists and all their albums I feel more connected and like even feel like I get more of an education musically from hearing how they progress as an artist and how their songwriting's changed, their production's changed, and all that stuff. Yeah, very true. The, so I, I like I like that approach. Yeah, the development of the artist is very fun to follow, yeah. especially you know when you when you can go back and listen to maybe the first three albums of an artist, and you can kind of hear how it changes throughout, which is yeah. pretty cool to me as well. A great example is like Black Keys. Okay, you know they've blown up. They're huge. Everybody knows Black Keys, and their stuff is awesome. I really love their last several albums. But if you go on Spotify and go listen to some of their early ones that they produced themselves, they were just a blues band <laughs> and nothing too exciting. I probably wouldn't have stopped and listened to them for very long. But and then I think this, as the story goes, when Danger Mouse came on to produce whichever one he produced was when they kind of blew up. And to hear kind of that, oh, so they're great musicians, but and great songwriters. But there was something that happened when they hooked up with a producer that knew what he was doing that really took him to the next level it's kind of fun to hear that progression as you go through cool yeah can you recommend a book to our listeners that you've read about songwriting or music in general that you think other people would like since i'm apparently the first person on the podcast i get dibs on the war of <laughs> art stephen pressfield all right and I imagine everyone else is going to say the same thing. <laughs> he's a little out there in some spots, but he's an author and he's written lots of fiction, I believe. I've never read any of his fiction, just this one book, but a couple of books. But it's it's about the creative process and the you know a lot about the idea of resistance. We can always come up with a reason not to be creative today. And um, I had read that fairly recently before embarking on the challenge. And that was part of what got me, you know, I want to write every day instead of in spurts. And I still ended up doing it in spurts, but it was a lot better. <laughs> I wrote lots of days instead of, you know, a couple times every few years. So that's a great book. If you do anything creative, I think it's kind of a must read. Cool. What tools of the trade do you use, excluding your instrument, that help you with your songwriting? Any apps or software that you use for help? Obviously, being a recording engineer and producer, you do have a studio and all that sort of stuff. But when you were, for instance, when you were writing your 50 songs, what did you, you did you use any other tools to help you with that? This is a great question, and I would love to hear what other people do. I am kind of an old fart when it comes to this, and I'm trying to be more hip and cool, but for me, it was a spiral notebook, purple, cheap dollar spiral notebook and a pen, and somebody had given it to me for something, like a seminar or something, and I, I hadn't done anything with it, so I, ironically, or as fate would have it, it has 25 lines per page, All right. so I could list out my 50 songs on the first two pages, which was great. I felt like that was meant to be, but <laughs> I like just writing on paper. I would now, the, the other tool would be my iPhone, just pulling out the voice memo app to just literally plop it down and record something. When I first started writing songs and I'd see somebody playing a song and they'd forget the words, I'd think that is the worst thing in the world. How could you forget how your own song goes? It's so easy. <laughs> but that was when I'd, I'd only written three songs in my life. So of course <laughs> yeah. I knew my three songs. 
but yeah, writing all these, I you know, the next day I'd forget what it was. So having them all on my phone and being sure to sync my phone so they all get copied over to iTunes so I don't lose them forever, that was super helpful. So that I mean that I would write lyrics and then I just scribble down chords, usually like with the Nashville numbers kind of thing, because I'd usually change keys of songs once I realized I couldn't sing in that right. key and have that written out with the words and yeah, and then record it down on something just so I don't forget it. Cool. All right, well, we've uh, kind of probably over the 30 or 40 minute mark here. We have a, I have a few more questions, and okay. one of them is just your information and where people can find you. Yeah, if you want to hear all the music I've released in the last few years, you can go to joegildermusic.com, Gilder, G-I-L-D-E-R. Facebook and Twitter, same thing, Joe Gilder Music. You can find me there. But specifically my music stuff, it's all there. You can play it all and listen to it for free. All right. So lastly, I wanted to feature one of your songs at the end of the podcast. So would you like to pick a specific song and go through what the writing process for that was like and sort of what it is about? For instance, if you were to play this song in, uh, in a concert setting, what would you, how would you introduce it? Ooh, that's a good one. I'd probably go with the title track from the album. It's called Better This Way. It's kind of the theme for the whole album. The album, if you go listen to it, if you take the time to listen to the whole thing, it's kind of starts with Better This Way, and then it kind of takes you through a journey of kind of things not being great and kind of transitioning and learning and kind of coming-of-age story, so to speak, but just based on individual songs as you kind of go through a process. So it kind of all culminates with, you know, going through a lot of hardship, a lot of changes, a lot of brokenness, and coming out on the other side. You hear a lot of well-meaning people say oh, when you're going through something hard, oh, it's you'll be better off because of it, and then you want to punch them in the face <laughs> because that's not what you want to hear right now. But, you know, when you have come through something like that and you can look back and see all the good that's come of it, you know, either whether just the stuff that's happened to you internally and how you've changed or relationships that have been affected and improved because of it or whatever the case may be. I mean, everybody has a story like that. So it's kind of that idea of my life is better this way, having gone through whatever that was. I would not choose to go through it again, but I wouldn't change it either. A friend of mine lost her mom when she was in high school which is just devastating, right? And we were talking, that was probably six, seven years ago. She was saying she can honestly say it was the hardest thing she's ever gone through, but there have been so many great things that have happened as a result of that, like different life changes. She would have never met her husband. She would have never done a lot of things had that not happened. You know, her father's now remarried and in love and she has other family and stuff like that. That just, no one wishes that to happen, but there's been a lot of good that's come on the other side of that. So this song is kind of like, more of a there's a lot of more sad thoughtful pensive songs on the album but this one's more like hey that was really hard and i'm not out of the woods yet but you know everything that's happened to me it is better this way and so that's kind of if there was a theme for the whole album that would be it great 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 so well thank you joe for coming on it's been uh, really fun talking to you and i hope it's inspired a lot of budding songwriters to go out and try to write maybe not 50 but at least no let's yeah Try to write 50 songs in the next in the next year at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a song a week. You'll have plenty of fodder for the the yearly album that you're going to put out. Cool. Yep. It's a great idea. Exactly. All right, we'll uh, close it off with uh, better this way. Mind to the insanity I was a 
like a siren song You were calling to me all along You want to show me what is real It's better this way to believe.